The Trek Files, Season 6, Episode 7, Journey to Babel, Makeup Costume Note, 1967. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Well, hello, Star Trek fans, Star Trek history fans. Hey, yes, all you canonistas, I say that lovingly. All you tech heads, boy. And especially this week, if you're an alien aficionado, you want to be with us. Look, all of you Trekophiles spell with an F. We have an excellent show this week. We're going to do one of those shows where we actually get to straddle the old and the new. We're going to dig back to some early documents from early Star Trek. And our guest this week is from current crop of Star Trek. So listen, as usual, look at our page. They're on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Trek Files. You can find our document of the week. Uh, a spoiler alert, we're going to take a second look at a document we've seen before, but with a new perspective. So check that out. Here is a sample audio style. You know the routine. And then come right back and I will be here with this week's great guest. Shras and Thelev, Andorians. They're humanoids, tall and quite slim. If at all possible, the ears will be played down, taped back, but there are two delicately tapered antennae curling up from the head. Despite their almost fragile bodies, Andorians are a fierce warrior breed. Their dress indicates this to some extent and will include a vicious-looking bladed weapon, which is carried for use and not ceremony. Andorians are pale blue. Because. Oh, and you, you longtime Trekophiles will know that we've actually looked at this uh, document. This is a page that over time really wasn't part of the Journey to Babel script, uh, written fabulously by the late, great Dorothy Fontana. Um, and apparently, just to save a penny, was never copied in the Journey to Babel scripts that for years. Lincoln Enterprises, now Roddenberry.com, although that was in the retail days, uh, that you could get, right? And now it's online. You can probably find it anywhere. This page, however, was omitted, and we got back to that a few years ago. I've talked to Dorothy about it. We've talked to Harry Judge about it, who played the Tellarites through the early uh, seasons of Discovery. And guess what? Today, we get to look at that third paragraph about, yes, Andorians, because on today's show, we are so thrilled to have Noah Averback Cots. Noah, who has, of course, played the uh, exciting, wonderful, and yes, tragically ended uh, Rin on the third season of Discovery. <laughs> no, it's so well, great to have hello. you with us. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm happy to be here, Larry. It's good to talk Trek. Yes, he is lovely. He is wonderful. He is tragically ended. It's Rin. Hello, <laughs> my my blue friend. I want to do kind of a, a cool name like you have, like a Trekophile, like a, a, a Blue Boys or uh, the... The blue I, crew out there. Hello, blue yeah. crew. 
Well, there was some. There were a lot. You know, when they had the uh, the Andorians. This is what I want to talk about about you and Rin and 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 your prep and just the whole odyssey with Rin, <laughs> because part mm-hmm. of the formula here is not just. And this is why it's so much. And this is why you've you've been doing so much press, Noah, <laughs> <laughs> is and killing it because not just that you were this. You were an actor that came in and was wonderful. And yes, married to the wonderful Mary Wiseman. Our, our own Sylvia Till. Still true. Yes, still, still true. true. Oh, sorry. That, that was too much uh, past tense. <laughs> still true. <laughs> Things aren't moving that slow in COVID times, so we need to make sure I didn't, <laughs> didn't send the wrong vibe there. But also because, as we're all famously learning, you have been just as much of a Trek fan as anybody listening to the show right now. Well, probably not as much as anybody listening. Oh but no, most of them. I've seen. The, yeah, yeah, them. I've seen the photos. <laughs> I've heard the talk. <laughs> I'm sure there are there are some more hardcore than me, but not many. Not many. Well, let's let's. So you were in. So you're California native, right? Uh, this is correct. Bay Area. This is true. Yeah. Outside the Bay Area, nothing to do with Los Angeles, as I've made very clear. <laughs> and apparently has been corrected in the quasi-note of record there on Memory Alpha now. So we've got you from Marin County. But, I'm very yeah, pleased. But, um, but your mom was a huge Trek fan, took you to cons early on. That's exactly right. You know, she... She grew up watching, of course, the reruns of mm-hmm. the original series. Not, not the first one. She had the reruns. And, you know, my mom and my dad came from the East Coast to California in sort of the second hippie wave, you mm-hmm. know, sort of like the post wave. The 70s the intellectuals. wave. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like it was it wasn't the the pure LSD wave. Not the it was 60s. The intellectual yes. Wave. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, they they both came out to Marin with their sort of utopian ideals. My father, of course, you know, kind of uh, trying to really think his way through it. Mm -hmm. And my mother, who is a therapist, really feeling her way (laughs) through it. Um, And so she was kind of just hooked through the idea of this sort of utopia where not everyone was perfect and not everything was was perfect and where people really expressed themselves and and felt their way through the challenges and the ups and downs and you know i i I just think um she really just was kind of obsessed with that in in a great way and wanted to see that world happen and and continued uh, when when the sort of second wave of, of Star Trek uh, picked up again in 85 with Next yeah, Gen. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you were talking about your parents there. It seemed like they had their own Spock and McCoy show going there, <laughs> in a way. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you could say but that. But I want to get to the blue crew here, because you're a fan coming along, and you're soaking it all. So original series, Next Gen, you're there, you're there. Going to cons, the, your secret is out, as if it was ever a secret. The fo- the pr- <laughs> You're all over social media, you can't deny it when they call you in for the hearing yes when you go before the committee your proof is out there already it's amazing how long i've tried to keep those pictures hidden away (laughs) in some file deep within the bowels of our basement and then at some point the the whole thing just flipped on its head Mm -hmm. and those are like my most valuable possessions now (laughs) it's it's pretty wild the need for cred is is amazing so (laughs) you know you know i listen this is a total tangent i know i'm sorry i'm wasting our time already but it's so crazy because now and i think this will touch on what we're going what we're going to talk on later but you know in 20 years from now you are going to have so many kids dressed up in marvel costumes Mm -hmm. dressed up in and all the all the different things now you know going to cons being you know doing cosplay 
really participating in fan culture is so ubiquitous and so accepted and so, you know, it almost almost second nature now. Uh, but but when I was mm-hmm. a kid, there wasn't a word called cosplay. Well, you, you were no just such... going in costume. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a costume, you know, and there was no there wasn't like a watch party. It was watching the show with my friends, you know, <laughs> and so it's really one of the few, few properties that exist at this time where I could have pictures of me in costume and then be on the show, you know, 20, 25 years later. I just don't think that there's anything else, you know, like uh, other people sort of doing their own sort of cosplay stuff in, in their dark corners of, of whatever well, Marriott you, Hotel they were allowed in. Right. You were you had you your know? friends and that was your circle. Right. But it was it was. Yeah. yeah go ahead. But I just ahead, I want to get us back to because I'm sensing we're going to have to. Crack. I'm already on tangent. No, I'm no, you. that's fine. That's why I'm saying I'm already sensing we're going to have to take that tangent and do something more with it. But <laughs> I my eyes are blue right now. I'm all I'm yes, on the blue good crew. Point. Good point. So coming out of this as a fan and why, so what keep you, you, you were equal opportunity with your Trek next gen DS9. I mean, were you active? Did you have to drop it for school at some point? And I'm, that's a good question. Yeah. You know, I. I really, my main trek was sort of Voyager to Enterprise. That's when it really came back. But of course, constantly dipping back into next gen and just having a really, really, you know, deep understanding of next gen. After your mom raised you on the original series first. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it was, you know, well, well, original series and next gen were sort of raising me, bringing me up, cultivating me, and then priming me for Enterprise, you know. and uh, You're nothing and, but an F8 synth here in this whole process. <laughs> That's what you. I mean, you know, show. my mom really did a number. You know, yeah. she was like, "This is this is it. You have no choice. You're in, all the way." So. You're at you're at Juilliard with both Marys and a, and a few other people, and you're acting and you're doing roles. And here comes. Well, let's talk about that. So Mary auditions, and maybe we can talk about that in Contation. But basically, you're the Trek person. She knows it from culture. She's she winds up with the role. This is awesome. But let's yeah, let's focus on you and what I mean, mm-hmm. you probably had a did you have a dummy side that didn't say it was Andorian? I mean, you knew it was Star Trek. You already you know, decoded was, her Vulcan, her Spock. Yes. Yeah. Or the Spock you read for. I'm sorry. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it was very funny because I can't I don't think it said it was an Andorian. I think it said it was just a guy named Micah. Uh, and and it was very unclear. I don't think they had made up their mind yet. I do remember there was like a lot of talk in that dummy site about about Cardassians, but the Cardassians were slaves. So I was like, okay, we're we're doing something different here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They're, the Cardassians don't have like the electro whip and are pushing us around. Um, <laughs> so it was it was immediately you know very much like okay, there's something else going on here. I don't know who you know this uh, this book character is yet. They probably dead named him too or mm-hmm. or, or a code named him um but you know there is just something there was something about those original sides that was so trek and when we say sides for our lay audience uh, those are like the lines that i had to learn for the audition thank you because it was i don't know how many times in trek this happens where two people are like whispering over a uh, like a piece of technology that's going to save them, but they can't let the other people know. Or like there's like a, a technology handoff where it's like, you know, put this uh, over there and it'll explode later. So it was like immediately I knew, you know, oh, I'm doing one of these technology handoffs. We're going to distract the bad guys. and We're going to make a break for it. So it was like right there. I was I was in, you know. 
Well, so so you're reading. So when did it when did it all come to? I mean, they said, "Hey, you got it." And by the way, it's an Andorian. I mean, is that well, you know? It was so. What was so strange is I didn't know until the first makeup test because there was a uh, Ian Lake was playing an Orion Tolor. And they got us confused. So the guy, when I was doing the head cast, which which had nothing nothing to do with the actual build of the the creature, uh, I was like, "Do you guys know what I'm playing? Like, do you have any <laughs> idea?" And they're like, uh, "Aren't you the Orion?" And I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I guess so. I heard I was an Andorian, but maybe I'm Orion now." And it wasn't until they they took the blue, blue mask green, out and put they it all on look my alike. face, yeah. <laughs> exactly, that I was like, "Oh, this is this is an Andorian. I'm clear now. He's blue." Because uh, and uh, and then immediately it was you know watching watching all the old episodes all the Jeffrey Combs and of course watching uh, this episode as well Journey to Babel. Well, what so so okay it is an Andorian so you're researching what was your but you knew I mean what came to mind you you thought blue antenna and then what else. You know, it's so funny because Andorians are like this iconic Star Trek race. You know, you see those. It doesn't, I, you know, anybody who just sees that, they think that is Star Trek. That is it. But there's actually like, mm -hmm. you know, this document is really like tells me more about Andorians than basically all of next gen DS9 Voyager combined. But that's, you yes, know? exactly. That's why there was such a hit on Enterprise. The first time you saw this page, like I was, I mean, we, we showed this to you. So that was like, mm -hmm. oh, I wish I'd known this before, or this is interesting, or this. You know, it's, it's, it's all those things. First off, I'm, I'm very happy to hear about the tall, uh, the tall <laughs> part, because I'm 6'4". Mm -hmm. And before the pandemic, I was quite thin. That's changed now. Um, <laughs> I would just, you know, call me a, 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 a healthy young man mm -hmm. now. But, you know, I'm very tall and lanky. So that does feel like that feels very validating that that I am right for this because I'll never get to play a Ferengi and it just really burns my heart. I'm just too tall. For Unless that. you're the, <laughs> the real outcast. It's like the short yeah. curling on and the you know, the tall Ferengi. <laughs> and I just remember um, Jeffrey played Jeffrey Combs played a Ferengi a couple of times too. So that's true. But you know, it's are... funny because reading this, I don't think Jeffrey is a very tall guy. You know, he's not, he's not no. a tall dude. So I do feel like very much. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm sort of reclaiming the tall, <laughs> lanky birthright for Andorians. I feel really proud reading this. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear you to read this and see like and of course this was just a sketch right for this yeah. is blank slate time this is they're they're being born here so it's 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 amazing because you really can get the sense that it's like let's just kind of make something that's out there you know that that is pushing it forward you know and they're blue i love this i love it so much they're pale blue because like i just think that is so Star Trek in the best way, you know, to create an alien race, not to say, okay, well, Andorians are blue because they represent the sadness of the human race, you know, like Andorians are blue because the sky they're, is always above. They're like the Eeyores of Star Trek or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just because you guys figure it out later. You know, it's like, it's like the original retcon here where it's mm -hmm. like, you better come up with something because, you know, we need to. And of course they did an amazing job and like, you know, it's such a great idea. Well, and it's also 60s budget scale too, which like the <laughs> Tellarites are from point. this also. And the Andorians, by the way, this is one of my, my uh, 
uh, soapboxes that the the Tellarites have also got a boost, not as much as the Andorians, but they finally got a boost in Enterprise after years this of true. what I call the Berman era. It's like staying away from all <laughs> these guys, right? These yeah. these species. Yeah. But uh, they're they journey to Babel. It's Andorians and Tellarites. They're born. Why do we? They're you know. And then we retcon later that they were founding members, and Enterprise made that canon. Yeah. But but it's it's also about budget. I mean, the, the Tellarites at least got the really cheap little prosthetic, and yeah. and Andorians got the slathered on blue and the wig and the antennas. And then and then the experiments. And Mike Westmore's told me they tried to do Andorians, and they didn't. They were trying to do motion antenna, and it didn't work, so they mm -hmm. backed off. And so Enterprise was the huge experiment, and it did. So I did you in your t here's a question for you for whether you know or not. As and I haven't had a chance to ask James and, and Neville and the guys, but do you know why they didn't try to keep the animated antenna going? Did you ask or you did know, it ever come up? I I I didn't ask because I never really got to talk to the designers. Mm -hmm. You know, I never really got to have a conversation with them. And also I was just having so much fun that I couldn't even bring myself to, you know, do, you know, think about anything else but that. I think, you know, from what I understand is that those motorized antenna are extremely expensive. So mm -hmm. again, you so know, it just kind of comes back to this budget stuff. They're so expensive. They were really fragile, you know? So I think, I think that's probably. And maybe with the stunts it. going to a higher level that they didn't want to chance it. Well, you know, really before Rin, you know, most of the people other in the, mm -hmm. in the, I, I, in the first episode of season three, we meet an Andorian who's got his antenna, who has a speaking role, you know, mm -hmm. and, and other than that, Everybody else who would have played in Andoria and Andorian is basically wearing like a pullover mask. So not a mask that is kind of, you know, glued to the face, mm. a mask that doesn't move with the face, a mask that is just for stunts and, and for, right. for wide right. shots. So, you know, I, I don't think in those pullover masks, they would want to put these sort of motorized antenna, mainly because you wouldn't right. see them. You know, there's no close-ups of their face. They're just like a stunt phaser eyes. rather than a nice hero phaser. Right. Exactly. Right. Like their eyes are almost mm -hmm. just painted in and that's about it. So, you know, it, of course, because Rin didn't have his antenna, we sort of never... <laughs> got a lot of time you know we'll have to take care of think, that yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that really solves the problem but i do think that if you are you know you have uh you know multiple scenes close-ups long conversations with with this guy you kind of maybe want to see his antenna move around a little bit but we never vendorans real quick is there anything about this little paragraph that shocked you and or as you were doing, you know, as a fan, bringing your fandom back to you, as you, uh, again, we know that you're a guest star. You had uh, three episodes, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Yes. Was there any moment in time when you were shooting Ren, the Andorian, and you thought, you know, I can, can we talk about this second? Because I don't know how this is Andorian-y. <laughs> or yeah, how, you did know, you have a moment? A really did did you feel free enough to do that in the... In the... Well, you know... Just reading this, I, I'm so curious to know if Jeffrey had like what his relationship to this this document was. Whether if but I, was I can tell you, no no Andorian speaking or not ever saw this. I am sure it's amazing yeah. because like he really does bring that sort of fierce warrior breed idea to the character, you know, with like the bladed weapon, which is not you know everyone's got freaking phasers, you know, <laughs> and and it's like. 
you know, but but what what I think Jeffrey does so well is he is able to create a fierce warrior with a bladed weapon, mm -hmm. and you never think, oh, that's a Klingon, you know, uh, especially after all that time. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the time, my main my main anxieties were were you know, does this does this Andorian that I'm playing line up with the Andorians that Jeffrey has sort of molded, which are really based whether he knew it or not from this document, you know, yeah. with that f fierce warrior beat with the sort of fragile. And, you know, body, and you, know? you should know the fan fiction along, not the fiction, but the nonfiction on the way picked up on this mm -hmm. and everybody kept repeating the medical reference and the Mr. You yeah. know, the Federation guide, everybody kept picking up on how Andorians were a warrior race and all that. So it's kind yeah. of in the DNA you know, out there, but it's, it's an interesting thing for an actor because, you know, you do have to come in and just sort of uh, attack the the job that you're given. And I actually think, you know, when I was playing Rin, like so much of his warrior experience sort of happened before we meet him. Mm -hmm. We actually meet him when he's at his lowest, he's at his bottom, when sort of all of his sort of warrior trappings have been stripped away, his antenna have been removed in this horrible way, you know, so so his story is really... And this is what I was trying to do, and which is it's sort of in conversation with Jeffrey and in conversation with this, which is like, how by the end of his story, does he get back to that warrior, to mm -hmm. that person who stands on his two feet and stands up to the people who are sort of pushing him around? And that does that does come through. Last last thing, and then we I want to save you for some more shows. Uh, people, I saw people upset, and you've done enough conversations now. I want to see your takes. People were upset because in the Enterprise shows that, with Jeff. They famously are in a in a in a duel to the death, and he does have an yes, antenna of cut off, and it grows of course, back. You know, I think, I think there's there's a couple of things. Mm -hmm. One, I think it would be it would have been so cruel if we spend a whole bunch of time growing his antenna back and then he got his face blown off. That would just have been a little too much, even for me. Uh, but I also think his antenna not growing back really speak to the cruelty of his captors. Exactly. You know, exactly. I think that's the message you're trying to get across is that Osira is violent and incredibly capable. You know, she knows what she's doing. She knows how to inflict both the most physical damage and more importantly for her, the most emotional damage as well. I, th I think they had treated his antenna where they would they done some poison or toxic or or, or whatever and done something where yeah, they would not she's she's way too green with evil to not have done that. <laughs> green with evil oh we're come back and talk some more Anytime. maybe maybe hopefully Anytime. maybe some topics that uh, you you would be shocked by how little I am doing these days. I'm I'm free. Have me on. Okay. I dare you. All right. The gaunt the gauntlet has been tossed is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer. All of our documents and your chance to comment are available right there at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at larrynemacek.com. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.